Welcome to the Ohio District's UPCI Podcast. The following message is a part of the Church Growth Seminar, which was spoken by Jeffrey Watts at the Ohio District's Camp Meeting. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about the Ohio District, visit us at ohiodistrict.com. I want to share today uh, the title the Lord gave me for this session is Accountable for the Harvest accountable for the harvest. John chapter 4, verse 35 through 38, Jesus said, Say ye not, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Everybody say rejoice. Revival is a happy time. That's why the devil hates it, because it makes the church happy. It makes the kingdom of God happy. It makes angels rejoice. That's why the devil hates it. But that's all right. I love it, because he loves it. And herein is a true saying, one soweth, another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. And I thank God for this. Thinking about this scripture has propelled us into what our early uh, thought, my early thought as a pastor, I didn't know any church planners. I didn't have communication. We were a daughter work out of a revival church that uh, was in extreme revival. I was sent to Brother Foster uh, as a young man, and uh, we, he was, I was privileged to work on staff as executive pastor with him during the second year of revival in 2001. And then uh, 2002 is when we started our church uh, out of, as a daughter work out of that revival. So uh, I have, we, we were birthed with this, with this scripture in our minds that God is saying, look, look, just look, just look. I know Brother Collins said he didn't see no sin around, but I did. <laughs> when I got off the airplane, I saw some sin. <laughs> and so <laughs> revival in the last days is a necessity. It is a necessity. And revival in the English language is spelt R-E-V-I-V-A-L. But in the kingdom language, it is spelt W-O-R-K. And this scares many people away from revival, that four-letter word. That four-letter word. But this has been my concept. When I got a job at 14, I started working at 14 in a grocery store, I realized the more time I spent on the clock, the more money I got on Friday. I carried that all the way in all of my secular jobs until they wanted to put me on salary. I said, oh, no, 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 I don't do salary. <laughs> but I realized is the more hours I worked, the bigger my paycheck was. That's what I was trained in as from a teenager, just my own personal concept. And so I brought that concept into the church. And when I realized if you don't win souls, boy, you're not going to get no dinner. I said, uh-huh, hmm, we better win some souls. <laughs> and then teach them to give. <laughs> so, uh, but I feel in the spirit today, especially after what I've heard already this morning, our Lord Jesus is nudging this last generation as he did the first generation to get out of our comfort zone, to do the, the unnatural, to do the supernatural. And I believe that, that his, he's willing to override the law of the harvest 
for his kingdom in these last days. That's why he's saying, look at the fields, they're already white. I know in your mind, we drove by those cornfields to get here. They're not ready to eat yet, but they give you hope. And I believe Jesus is saying, if you, when you leave out of here, however you go, if you go the way that he brought us, you're going to see some corn. <laughs> no, someday that's going to feed somebody or put fuel in something, whatever they do with it, I don't know. But there is an unfinished revival in the earth right now. And I believe Jesus has chosen our generation to finish it. To finish it. He's running. He's ready. I'm ready to go. And I know you are too. But a lot of people aren't. And that's our burden today. We are here now to be used of God. For us, it began February 23rd, 2002. It was in a revival service on a Saturday night. I will never forget it. I had been used in, in the gift of tongues and interpretation numerous times, but this night, it's like God interrupted the message. Greg Godwin was preaching with this tongues and interpretation. I couldn't hold it back, and it just erupted out of me. And the Lord said this, forget not what I can do in a day. It was in one day that I created the heavens and the earth. It was in one day that I formed the sun, the moon, the stars. It was in one day that I made man. Yea, it was one day I, I birthed a revival of 3,000, yea, even 5,000. Don't ever forget what I can do in one day. Ten minutes later, Brother God, however long, I don't know, I was on my face in the altar. Uh, this, the microphone got thrown to Bishop Foster and Brother Godwin said Bishop has a word for us and, and he called Gwen and I up front and he said you're going to the city of your calling you're going as a daughter work and so that's kind of how we started <laughs> so in my mind I'm like we're going to get there and we're going to have a 3,000 soul revival yes 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 I started looking for the biggest building in Fort Worth 10 months later Bishop Foster approved us to go to a little apartment clubhouse <laughs> The dream was still there, but we, we, we started out reality. And so uh, we started, we had 34 people in our first service. Actually, our first service was on a Tuesday night in our home at our kitchen table. We, we figured if we're going to have a church, we might ought to have a name. And if you're going to have a name back in, two, in the early 2000s, that's when mission statements were real popular. So we, we figured we better get a mission statement. And our mission statement is impacting lives to change the world. And so it has been, still is. Everything we do is on the level of impact. So that happened, and we accepted the call. Our first four weeks of our church, we didn't have a service. We didn't have a Bible study. We had outreach. We went door to door for the first four Saturdays before we ever even had it. We were, we were announcing. I said, well, how are we going to get people there? And I just figured that going door to door and giving an invitation was the best way to get them there. So it was settled in my mind that for the church to be established and grow, we would need to invite people. It's kind of hard to grow a church without guests. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, because, you know, people leave and people die, you know, all, all that natural stuff that happens. So... I figure we better get we better get on the front side of this curb. In in our region, in our city, in our region, uh, how, how are they going to know we're here? We're in this clubhouse. They won't let us put a sign up. All we can do is stretch a banner out on Sunday mornings while we're there, and then we got to take it down. How can we start a church like that? I don't know. Well, we did, <laughs> and so I quickly began to look for property. We had no money. We had nothing. But I found I found a barn looking building. A barn-looking building. Uh, Brother Jimmy Stark's been there. You can ask him. Brother Rashidi calling me. You can ask. It was a metal building in the middle of a field behind a house. 
And so I thought, man, we can make a church out of that. It was on a dead-end road past two lots of cows and one lot of horses next to the goats and the sheep. Oh, by the way, on a dead-end road. <laughs> That's where it was. So I caught Brother Foster. I said, come look at it. Come look at it. And he came and looked, and he was looking at me like, mm-hmm, you think this will work? I said, yes, sir, I feel it. I feel it. He said, well, if you feel it, I'm not going to hold you back. So we made a deal. God blessed us. And, and uh, Bishop Foster, everybody has asked me years, how many people did Tom Foster send with you to, to start your church? And we both do the same thing. Zero. If you, if you need people to start a church, you know, that's, that's fine. That's good. Uh, but, and we have, we have two daughter work, had two daughter. One has gone North American missions. The other one's a Spanish work in our own building. So we have people that help them because they want to get involved. But we didn't go there expecting him to send us people. We went there to win the lost. And that's got to be the main motivation for growing, building a church. In 13 years at that dead end road and that metal building that we renovated four times and added on to one time, uh, we, we grew from 37 people to averaging 350 in 10 years in that building. Now, just, just so you know, the last three years we were in that building, it would seat 180 people and we averaged 350 to 350 plus for three years. We hit a ceiling. We hit a gross ceiling. I can testify today, and I have a chart if anybody wants to see it. We have, we have shown an increase every single year we've been a church. We've grown every single year we've been a church as high as 72%, uh, well, actually as high as 180% the first year, second year, and 72% since. Right now, this year, our church is on 11% growth. So obviously, I'm talking numbers, so I take care of numbers. <laughs> Uh, but we weren't satisfied. We knew there was more. In the book of Acts, the harvest seems to have an opportunity to come in abundance. In Acts 2, 3,000. In Acts 4, 5,000. In Acts 5, it was multitudes. Uh, and the next level of harvest uh, came uh, in Acts chapter 5, and so much they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and then they were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, everyone. This is the kind of revival that I'm looking for. I want to walk down the streets of Fort Worth and see people healed by my shadow. Not because of me, but because of him operating through me. It's the next level harvest. It's, it, it's, there's not a trick. There's not a, there's not a switch we can flip to make this happen. It is the power of God, and it's us giving ourselves to him. Miracles and people coming from everywhere. Isn't that why we all pastor churches and want to get involved in ministry? Well, that's what we desired, and a, and a small home missionary-sized harvest came to us in our fifth year. And I can, the fifth year, oh, it's powerful. Our average weekly attendance grew from 105 to 181 in one year. That's 72% growth in one year. You can do it. I told you my history up front so you can say, well, he won't do it for me. Well, no, no, if he'll do it for me, a drunk till I was 22 years old, fill me with the Holy Ghost. I couldn't quote you one scripture in the Bible that day, but today I can. Thank you, Jesus. I, I can say he can do it for you. You have confidence. We had over 700 first-time guests that year. You 
You look at the math, 105 to 181, you had 700 guests. Something's wrong there. When I looked at this information, <laughs> something was wrong. Now, we did start a bus ministry, so about half of those are children that come on the bus and half of those were adults. But still, if you break it down like that, 350 adults, and we only grew by 76. I asked for a report of all the guests, and when I received it, it was pages long, and I said, are you sure this is it? And she said, that's it. And she had the number written there, and I was in the office and sitting in a chair, I'll never forget that day, I felt like I was going to hell. I felt like I was lost. Because when I looked at 105 to 181 and I looked at 700, I said, God, I don't know. It's like the Holy Spirit asked me, where are these people at? I'm like, Man, I don't know. You, God, you're supposed to know. That didn't go over real good. So after a season of prayer on my face, the Lord told me to get up. I just begged him not to kill me. That's what I was praying. God, don't kill me. <laughs> Give me another chance. I could not account for these people. He told me to get up and get my Bible, turn to Matthew 25, and I did. And I didn't know what I was looking for. I didn't know what he was going to tell me, but I went to found myself at verse 14. He said, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And then to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. God came and gave goods to servants. There's two principles there. Number one, if you want God's goods, you're going to have to be a servant. Number two, he gives them according to ability. Now, when you read that in the English, it makes you think, well, I'm not talented enough to have revival, but that's not what that word means. I found that out too. But what gets my mind is straightway he took his journey. And I believe yesterday in prayer, the Holy Ghost, the Lord showed me why sometimes ministry feels lonely because Jesus wants to see what we're going to do with what he gives us. And that's why a pastor, that's why a minister, that's why a leader, sometimes you feel like you're all alone because Jesus gave you the goods and then he's going to move on. What I found is the word ability there uh, is uh, the Greek word, number 1411, if you study Greek, it's dunamis. And I may not be saying it right, but I do know what dunamis is. It's the power, ability, physical or moral, residing in a person or thing, power in action. It is also the same word that we find in Acts chapter 1 and 8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It is the same Greek word, dunamis. It means ability and it means power. So when you, when you read that scripture from that context, that God will delegate to you or he will give his goods to them according to their several ability, according to their several dunamis, according to their several power, then I believe God is not looking at how talented we are in the flesh, but how powerful we are in the spirit. He's looking for people that have a prayer life and a walk with God to delegate and give his goods to to see what we'll do with it. Anyway, that's just, and so then he says, they shall be witnesses. So I took it one step further. What is a witness? Knocking on doors. Hey, you want to go to church? Nope. The word witness there is the Greek word martis. And it comes from our English word martyr, who bears witness by his death. It denotes, it denotes the definition. Then Strong's denotes one, uh, one who 
can or does aver what he has seen or heard or knows. And so the word aver there means to verify or prove to be true. So what God is looking for, I believe, to give goods to at whatever level we can receive them is how well we are able to communicate and articulate his Holy Spirit to our lost and dying world. Are we walking in the spirit? Are we carnal walking in the flesh? And I believe that's one of the most important things that he looks at when he gets. So don't think about because I'm not gifted. I I don't have any talents. I don't have any talents. I can pray. I need a snare drum to be able to clap my hands. And if I start a song, they all start praying. (laughs) So I'm not, I don't have my, I want, I need the Holy Ghost to do anything I'm going to do. So after this revelation came about, we, we got together and we said, we got to do something about this. And God gave us a system. Uh, it's not a program. It's a system title. We titled it Every Guest Counts. And because what we saw, what I saw is that God was giving us his goods, which are people, to be stewards over. And we couldn't give an account for them. So that's why the simple title came, or structure came, Every Guest Counts. And as we have invested more time and energy on our guest, Jesus continued to send more. Now, I'm a numbers person. If I wasn't a pastor, I would probably be a, I would probably be a CPA. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some numbers. Let me give you some numbers. Uh, I told you seven, 2007, we had over 700 first-time guests. Over In 2008, had 812. 2009, 836. 2010, 1,182. 2011, 1,206. 2012, 1,086. 2013, 1,327. 2014, 1,300. 2015, 1,037. These are first-time guests, by the way. 2016, 1,369 we moved to a new building and everybody wanted to come see what was happening, what was going in there. Last 2017, 1,213 and last year 2018 we had 1,306. Year to date today as of last weekend, 533 for this year. That's a lot of people. Now, if you take the old, well, you should be running about 10,000 by now. You're right. But we haven't got it all figured out. So what are we going to do with these people? I found, went back to Matthew 25, verse 19. The Bible says, after a long time, the Lord cometh to those servants and reckoneth with them. I like that word reckoneth. I like saying it. <laughs> and so that he had received he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I've gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, well done. And then 20 verse 22, they received two. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. Already been quoted, make thee rule over many. Enter thou into the joy. Joy. Joy comes from revival. Joy comes from the harvest. But if you don't know what you have to start with, how are you going to know when you grow? I mean, you can't even use your Apple phone GPS without putting it, finding out where you are. I don't think anybody uses those window ones anymore, but you have to figure out where you're starting at. 
And he said, the one, one of us see one, and says, I, and you're a hard man. You, you know, you asked for records and you asked for us to be accountable. And I didn't know what you were going to do. And you're all getting all this stuff. And everybody's doubling. And I don't know what you're doing. I mean, he said, you're reaping where you haven't sown. And you're gathering where you haven't strawed. And he said, I was afraid. And I went and hid my talent in the earth because there, that's mine. Brother Goblin used to have a saying when he was preaching revival in Dallas, saying, us four no more, us six doing the same tricks, and us eight and everything's great. <laughs> Don't mess with our little clique. <laughs> and his Lord answered him and said, verse 26, thou wicked and slothful servant. God considers a lack of accountability to be slothful. And he even said wicked. So I'm not calling you wicked, he is. You knew not, you, you know that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I'm not strong. So you should have put my money into the exchangers and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. He said, therefore take the talent from him and give it unto him with half ten talents. That's why I want to be a ten talent pastor. Not because I get what everybody else loses, but just in case somebody doesn't make it, I want him to know where to go. <laughs> Am I the only one in here that feels that way? Okay, y'all may kind of make me feel that way. <laughs> he said, everyone that hath shall be given and he shall have abundance, but from whom that hath not shall be taken away that which he had. So good stewardship uh, is production with accountability and it invites the atmosphere of joy and increase. So the bonus, the bonus the Lord throws in for the faithful is that, that he will give them joy. He gives joy to the worker, to the servant. Accountability is the glue that ties commitment to the results. Every pastor has a dream. Every pastor has a desire. Every pastor has a vision. That's why God sent us to pastor. And so there's got to be some, some type of result that we're looking for. And accountability is the glue that will keep us tied to that commitment. We're, we are accountable uh, even today to Bishop Foster. Uh, as, as a daughter work, we were accountable every week. I worked in the office, so every Monday morning I would take in our month, our weekly report, and he wanted to know how many hours of prayer, how many invitations did we hand out, how many home Bible studies were taught, how many first-time guests, how many people repented, how many people were baptized, how many people received the Holy Ghost, how many guests did we follow up on, and what was the offering. And so every week we would take that report to him or I would take it as I went once, once I was no longer part. We continued to be accountable. And I'm fully persuaded that our church growing from four to 500 in 17, 16 and a half years is a direct result of our willingness and desire to be accountable. So that's why today accountable for the harvest is so important to us. Because verse 19 of Matthew 25, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. That word reckoneth, I mentioned it a minute ago, it really means accountability. In the Greek, it is logos. It means a saying, it means an account which one gives by word of mouth. So be ready to answer. I, ha I, have, I have my results with me. If anybody asks me, I'll share some things with you in a minute. But that word reckoneth, it's the summing up of an account. It's giving account. Uh, don't tell me how many acres of land you got until you can tell me how many people have received the Holy Ghost. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, why? Because when I, when I dove into the word talent, what, okay, God, what is a talent? I mean, I don't have any talent, so what is it? And I found that the Greek word is talenton, and it means a balance or a talent in weight. It was a sum of money, uh, something weighted, something weighed. And as I pondered this, I felt the Spirit of God revealed to me that in the kingdom realm, there is nothing more valuable to him than people. And people. But so often we gauge and measure our success on buildings and bank accounts when he's wanting us to measure it on people. People. Oh, God. So we must evaluate if what we value is what God's values. And most importantly, what God values is that what I value. If not, then I've got to come into alignment with him because his will is going to work. In another parable, we see a similar comparison. Luke 19, 15 came to pass that when he was returned, received the kingdom. Then he commanded those servants to be called unto him to whom he gave the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. So once I read this, after reading the talents, I understood, you know, what God's really talking about is people. I mean, every time I see money in the Bible, I'm thinking kingdom currency, kingdom currency is people. So he's got to be talking about people. He said, yeah, gain 10 pounds. And he said unto him, well done, good servant, because you've been faithful in very little. Have thou authority over 10 cities. I said, whoa. Whoa. Could this be the recipe for the start? for revival in every city. Accountability for the harvest. I'll read it again, verse 17, Luke 19, 17. And he said unto him, well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over 10 cities. What is he referring to? He's referring to accountability. When he came back to ask him to see what he had, he found out. And the second came, verse 18, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said unto him, likewise unto him, be thou also over five cities. So it seems like God is wanting to give us authority in cities, but he's waiting on us to be accountable for what matters to him first. Hallelujah. I believe Jesus reveals a key to reaching our cities here, and it's accountability. It's accountability. Say it, accountability. I did that in Brazil, and they couldn't find a word for accountability, but it's here today. I know it. Thank you, Jesus, for accountability. I have to wonder what cities are waiting on us to multiply the greatest asset that Jesus has entrusted to the church. Oh, we worship in a three-year-old facility. It's state-of-the-art. It's, it's wonderful. I thank God for it, but we worship it in a barn. We prove to God we're more interested in people than we are buildings. You can have church in a barn. You can have church anywhere, but you can't have church without people. Cannot have church without people. So we're challenged to understand the value that Jesus places on people. He places much greater value on people than he does buildings, land, or money. So I believe I should be able to give an account for how many people we have before I can tell you how much land we have, before I can tell you how much is in the bank account, which I can't even tell you right now. 
I could ask her and she would tell me probably. But I'm more interested in how many people we have. And so most churches, most churches answer to the congregation for their annual budget, financial spending. But I believe it's more important to answer to our churches about how many people. According to our ability, he will give us talents. That's spirituality. According to our accountability, he will give us cities. And I believe that's the movement that we need to move in. Now, at the Pentecostals of Fort Worth, the church I'm privileged to pastor, and I tell them you can't, you can't fire me because you didn't hire me, so hallelujah, thank you for coming. <laughs> Let's keep going forward. Uh, we place great value on guests as the Lord Jesus sends them. Uh, we understood that we must generate a guest flow to grow. And so every Saturday for 16 and a half years, yes, I said every Saturday for 16 and a half years, we have a team on the streets in Fort Worth. We've missed two Saturdays in 16 and a half years, and that's when that Christmas day falls on Saturday. I'm just, I'm not saying people wouldn't go. They might go, but I don't ask them. <laughs> and it might not be well received. <laughs> but every Saturday, and I expected it to get real quiet, but that's okay. I've got the proof if you need it. <laughs> Uh, we have three forms of bus ministry now. At first, we were just putting invitations on doors, and I know people say that doesn't work, so just you can listen to them or you can listen to me. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I can show you at least 30 families in our congregation that got an invitation on their door and ended up being baptized in Jesus' name, receiving to get to the Holy Ghost, dressing and living holy and serving in the church. So every Saturday now, we have a bus, two bus ministry teams of about, the total about 10 people. Street evangelism, anywhere from eight to 60, just depends on what's going on that Saturday. But what I, what I need to share is the most important and is, is that every Saturday, ne nearly every Saturday, we have a young man, his name is Jeff. And uh, Jeff, Jeff uh, tried to take his life several years ago and when he, when he failed, he said, I, I'm not good at nothing. I can't even kill myself. I mean, he just, he's his personality. You got to know him. And uh, he, he came out and a, a nerve in somewhere and whatever was severed and he can't see. So when he first started coming, I found out he was blind. I started, God, open his eyes. Lord, I'm asking you to open his eyes. He said, Pastor, 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 ain't nothing wrong with my eyes. I'm like, okay, what's wrong then? And so he told me this. But, but Jeff and his mother, his mother's older, She's senior citizen age. She'll be at home sipping Kool-Aid and stuff. But she, she brings Jeff because obviously he can't drive. He wants to real bad, but he can't. She brings Jeff to outreach almost every Saturday of the year. And she leads him by the hand or one of her other team members will lead him by the hand so that he can be involved in outreach. And what, what, what concerns me is that I'm not, I don't want to stand before the Lord next to him and the Lord say, oh, you were able to go on outreach and you couldn't see. Oh. And his mama's, I, I, I'm going to guess she's in her late 60s, I don't know, <laughs> maybe older. Uh, but she, she goes with him every week. This is the type of culture that God has helped us to cultivate at the Pentecostals of Fort Worth that people want to go on outreach. We don't make them. Neat thing about Jeff, another neat thing about Jeff is that he also cleans the windows every other Monday in the church. 
Wait a minute, I thought you said he's blind. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but you think I'm going to take away his privilege of cleaning the windows at the church? Nah, Jeff does a good job. <laughs> and so we, 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 we do bus ministry, we do street evangelism, and then we do guest follow-up. And this is where it's important. Uh, we, we generate guests through uh, blessing the community. We do milk and bread outreach, just trying to minister to the low-income families that... Uh, Prayer, I've asked the Lord, what could we take them? You know, lo- fishes and loaves and well, fish are going to stink and <laughs> milk might be a little more, you know, applicable and especially with all the children in that community. So we take twice a year, we take uh, 200, 300 uh, gallons of milk and 300 loaves of bread and 10 teams disperse out and we deliver that all in about 45 minutes. And we're the talk of the town. Uh, we do block parties. We feed everybody hot dogs. We buy hot dogs 400 at a time. And then we have our annual event, Western Day. Last year, we fed 1,040 people in less than an hour. That's our, that's our record high attendance in 16 years, 1,040. To God be the glory. So to put a focus on guests, this is how we implement. Every first-time guest receives three visits from our church. The Monday after they visit, if they had guests last night, then this coming Monday or Sunday guests, they'll receive a visit from one of our ministry team. If you want to be in ministry at the Pentecostal Fort Worth, we ask that you be available to do this type ministry to get engaged in it. They receive a cookie visit. And that precious lady over there has probably baked 10 million cookies because she has baked every cookie that's ever been taken out because we tried to delegate that out and they come back too crunchy on the bottom and I like them soft. And I can't be in everybody's house to to, uh, sample them. So (laughs) we've been blessed with a house with two ovens so we do it twice as fast now, thank God. (laughs) But she is a, and so we take them cookies in a little bag with an invitation to return to church. Then they go into a follow-up system that every 30 days they'll get a visit from one of our guest follow-up teams. And so they get four visits. If they never come back to our church, they get four visits. Unless they say, please don't come again. We're not coming back to your church. We'll say, okay, we'll save the gas money and go to somebody else who may want it. And so that's how we responded to every guest counts that I can give an account because there's a report given on every guest when they go visit the whoever it is knows to make a note what they talked about what they saw so that it helps the next one going and we have a team of ministers that do that they interact with the two and so we want to be able to I want to be able to tell Jesus that we reach for every guest at least four times that's what he laid on my heart. That's accountability. So when he comes to reckon with, what did you do with, um, I'm going to pull a mystery name, Bill, Bill Joel. Well, Bill Joel, we went here, we took him cookies on this date, and we, we went here in, in the next month, and, two, and six weeks later we went here, and two weeks later we went here. And so I can give an account. We can now give an account. Uh, and so what if, what if they have a new birth experience? Just last Tuesday night in revival service, we had two first-time guests. They had heard a Bible study uh, lesson that day, came to church with uh, the lady, came to church with her mom and brought her son with her. And the, the mom and the son received the gift of the Holy Ghost and were baptized in the name of Jesus. And God healed her neck and God healed his back all in one night on a Tuesday night. Imagine that. <laughs> And so what happens then after, after they are born again, they go into a, another system of accountability because we're responsible now to make them disciples. Uh, they receive a gift, uh, gift box from our assimilation pastor and they are introduced to a friend in the church. 
We have designated friends, kind of like designated drivers. Uh, we, we, we pick the nice people. We pick the people that can smile at the door. <laughs> we pick the people that uh, uh, to minister. So it's their friend in church. Why do we want them to be a friend? Because we, I want to know what's going on in their life every week. And at this point, I think we have 42, 38 to 42 people in this type ministry, and I can't visit 42 people in one week, but we have a team of, we call them Operation Impact. Operation Impact friends that can report, and I can look up on my phone right now what happened to uh, uh, these people last week, what was their response. And so they're contacted every week, then they're enrolled in a home Bible study, they're enlisted in a ministry at the Pentecostal of Fort Worth. There should be at least 40 to 50 jobs in your church that new believers can do. Well. We're talking about accountable for the harvest. Okay, you know, I looked at one day, I looked at a door and I said, that door closer does not have the Holy Ghost. That means, that means a human being can open and close that door. And they might have earrings on, they might have makeup on, she may be in pants. But they got more hope than that door closer. <laughs> So I want to put them to use. Now, if you don't want to do that, that's fine. I'm just, I'm just saying give, we, 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 they, they can vacuum the carpet. That vacuum cleaner doesn't have the Holy Ghost. And that's, that's kind of been my concept. Okay, if something happens in this building that doesn't have the Holy Ghost, of course, you know, we have leadership covenant. Trust me, it's all, it's all in order. But we want them to get involved. We want them to get in a, involved in a ministry. We want them to attend a 13-week impact class or discipleship class. Uh, that We do that on Wednesday night because I want to develop the habit of them coming back to church on Wednesday night even after they graduate the class. In 13 weeks, yeah, we go to church on Wednesday night. Yeah. Don't shut it down. Do something creative. <laughs> And then after that, they complete a discipleship class, which is four-week. If they agree to our covenant of discipleship, then and only then, after they're born again, after they complete impact training class, and after they complete discipleship class, do we consider them a member of the church. And so, does it work? Yes. Is it 100% successful? No. But this is why I'm a student of church growth. And I don't know that we'll ever get it 100%. But we learned a very personal lesson. In 2013, uh, one of our granddaughters was diagnosed uh, in the womb with pulmonary artesia. And so they knew that when she was born that she only had half a heart. Or they knew actually about, what, six months in that she only had half a heart. And so they suggested uh, to our daughter that she might consider aborting her because her life would never be normal and she might not ever be able to play with her sister and she might not be you know, able to think right. And uh, we all knew the answer to that immediately. Absolutely not. Not an option. And so uh, what they did know is that as soon as she was born, she would have to have a stent put in her heart if she was going to survive. So uh, at two or three hours old. We were actually in Thailand at the time when she was born. She went to surgery. They put a stent in and the first four months of her life, she was spent in NICU in the hospital. 24 hour a day around the clock care for four months. What if a soul was born into our church that has only half a heart 
Are we willing? Are we willing to support them until they can sustain life? She's five years old today. In fact, we went to her pre-K graduation just a few weeks ago. The even more painful lesson came in 2014. We were excited. It was our first grandson. We had, uh, I can't count, seven granddaughters, I think, at the time. And it was our first grandson. We were excited. And uh, Gwen had just been there and flew home that day, in fact. And uh, the mom felt sharp pains at her water break. And she was headed to the hospital to find out that proclamacy had set in and that little Roman was deceased before he was ever born. And I racked my brain to try to figure out what in the world, what, what can this mean? And I felt God showing me that there are some people, and this is why we can't stop having these harvest crusades. There are some people that are going to be born. She had him natural birth, but there was no life in him. Some people God is going to pour his spirit out upon, and there's nothing we can do for him. Nothing we can do for him. That's his business. That's not our business. And so we, we learn these painful lessons that, that there are times that we can invest round the clock care for someone and they're going to make it. But other times babies are going to be born and they're almost doomed from the beginning. So what has all this done for us? It's been from four to 500 in attendance in 16 years. I was hesitant. I thank God for my pastor called me this morning to pray over me. I don't, I don't go anywhere without his blessing. I don't preach, teach, speak anywhere without his blessing. Uh, in fact, I still send him a monthly report uh, for every month on the same thing we started with because if it worked then, it's going to work now. <laughs> and so we are accountable to full half. And so last year, we began to recognize something unique happening in that God was blessing the church uh, weekly. And I, I shared it with him uh, almost a year ago. And he's, and he told me, don't say anything to anybody. Just, just keep it quiet. I said, yes, sir. And so yesterday in prayer, the Holy Ghost continually nudged me to share at this meeting. So last night I called him, he's preaching the, uh, camp in Colorado. And, uh, I asked him, told him what I was feeling. And he said, go ahead and do it. And what I, what I would like to share with you is this, for the past 133 weeks in consecutive, God has filled someone with the Holy Ghost at our local church or been baptized in Jesus' name 133 consecutive weeks. I've got the book in the room if, if anybody wants to see the proof, but I, I've got it, so I brought it just in case. I, I, I know, you know, that Matthew 28, 17, is, is, it, just whoops, it just whoops me upside the head. They worship, but some doubted. <laughs> it did, go read it, you'll see. It's right before Matthew 28, 19, you'll see. <laughs> they worship, but some doubted. Anyway, that just whoops me. During those 133 weeks, We've had five, seen 592 people receive the Holy Ghost and 258 baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Got to keep records if you want to know if you're in revival. You can't think, oh, I think we had 10. No, you better know. You know what? Nobody's born at the hospital these days without a birth certificate. 
They shouldn't be born in your church without a birth certificate either. We have an altar ministry team. We call them the orange cards. We kind of like orange. We call them the orange cards. They're right there in the treasure chest on the platform. They got pins in there ready to go. So if they know, say, hear somebody talk in tongues, we ask them, did you hear yourself say words you don't understand? And we got some people, they spoke in tongues like 10 times and they still haven't heard themselves. We don't count them until they count them, all right? You got to tell me you got the Holy Ghost. I can't tell you. And so, uh, for 133 weeks, God has blessed the Pentecostal of Fort Worth with this revival. And he warned me a year ago, no, not everybody's going to agree with Not everybody's going to like to hear that. Not everybody's going to want to hear that. And so, when I called him and asked him about it last night, he said, do it. He said, I'm tired of being hostage of people that don't believe in revival. Let's tell what God is doing all over. Let's talk about revival. So, here I am, 133 weeks, 599. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So what has that meant to you? Well, all I can tell you is that in the past year, last year, our attendance has increased by 11%. Our growth attendance is 11% for this year. Uh, I can tell you that over the past five years, our attendance increase has grown by 35%. In a study I read last year, I think it was actually put out when Strategic Growth Initiative was was uh, first launched, I think they're saying that a 3% growth in a church is considered successful. And so uh, if, that's our, if that's our gauge, we can do this. We can do this. And it's going to begin with being accountable for who and what God sends to our churches so that we can give answer to him. This year, this year, 2019, to date, I already shared with you 533 first-time guests. We've had 60 baptisms in Jesus' name. We've had 199 filled with the Holy Ghost. But here's the big one. 1,677 home Bible study lessons. Last year, we, we, had, we had people teaching. When I say lessons, if I'm teaching a Bible study and there's five people in that Bible study, that's five lessons. That's how we count it. You can count how you want. So I'm telling you what the number means so it's not anything shady. Last year, we taught 3,000 home Bible study lessons in one year. We're behind this year, so we're all, we're all working to get Bible studies and catch up because I want to see each year. I want to continue the trend of growth. And so what we've seen over these past 16 years, and I, had a chart, I have a chart I could show you that it just, it just climbs and climbs and climbs. This year, we're, we're on right on for the year, for the entire 52-week, we'll be right at 500, 504, I believe, if, if we continue and maintain the percentage of growth that we're on right now. But I believe it all comes from being accountable for the harvest. And I just ask the Lord today that his hand would come upon this congregation, upon this, this meeting. God would show us, reveal to us, just like he did me. I'm nobody special. Just like he did me. What's most important to him is the harvest. 
And if I'll be accountable for, if you don't, if you don't keep records, I challenge you today to go home and start. Start right now. Start July. You can get, you can get the last two weeks, surely. If you can't, start right now. Don't say I'm going to start in August. Start right now. Start right now and use your two weeks uh, left in July, three weeks left in July. Use them for your July average. Figure it out. Find out where you are and then pray. Pray for growth. And then be accountable for the people that come. Why don't you stand with me today? I feel the hand of the Lord coming in this room right now. Brother Harpool was it. Brother Collins were all, Brother Bishop Stark was all talking about the harvest and accountability and giving an answer. I knew what God had put on my heart to do here today. And I don't count, I don't consider it a coincidence that God would speak all these things to this meeting, to this session of church growth if it wasn't important to him and something that we could obviously the Ohio district could put in our resource of growth strategies and implement immediately you don't need any money to do this that's why I shared with you we were accountable when we first started our record attendance low is 8 people you think I like carrying that report to Tom Foster? Well, we had eight this week, glory. Had 34 our first week, but we had eight this week. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, I was humiliated. But what we did after that, we responded. I said, okay, this accountability has shown me where we are. Just this last month of June, for, for the last seven years, we've only had one month, uh, two months now in 16 and a half years that the previous, that we didn't grow over the previous year in that month. June, two times, both times it was in June. This past month, our growth, our, our, our attendance average was down from last year's. Just a few, but a few is too many. So what do we do? We call for revival the whole month of July got revival every weekend this year, this month. We're going to respond. We're not going to react because accountability lets me know where I'm at so that also can steer me in the right direction. This report that I get every week, I brought it here just to show you what I get every week. It lets me know how many were baptized, how many were baptized year to date. It lets me know how many were on outreach. It lets me know how many were came on the buses. It lets me know how many were in each Sunday school class. It lets me know extra meetings, the youth service, how many were in youth service. I get this report every Monday. I carry the notebook everywhere I go. Why? Because I want to be able to give an account. I don't know when he's going to come wrecking with me. That's how serious I take this. I'm not asking you to be like me. I'm just asking you, is Jesus talking to you about being accountable for the goods of his house and for the talents that he's blessed you with? And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the Ohio District Podcast.